bind it, we will bind it, we will stick it with glue, glue, glue. We will stickle it, every little bit of it, we will fix it like new, new, new. We will find it, we will bind it, we will stick it with glue, glue, glue. We will stickle it, every little bit of it, we will fix it like new, new, new. We will fix it like new, new, new. How long has it been since we did a podcast? Has it been about a month? It's been about a month, I think. I think it's exactly. yeah, it's um, three, three weeks, a month, or something like that. Yeah, it's and it's 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 weird. I think every time you think you've got a handle on what's going on, like like I felt like we had this this curve where everyone was getting used to being in a pandemic. Mm. Everyone was kind of like, oh, we can't, you know, some normality, <laughs> and it seems in the last couple of weeks, like at various places in the world. And I, I think like the UK is now looking at another lockdown in late October. You think? I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's been announced. I think that, that I, when, when I was teaching, uh, some Japanese people, um, yeah, they were asking me about what's happening in the UK. And I, and I, I used it as a chance to be teaching um, the grammatical structure of likely. <laughs> so yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite likely. Well, where's that on the 100% certain, 0% certain? Where's likely? And kind of roughly around 70%, 80%, I think, was where we, we figured likely exists. I was talking to a friend who said... I th- I think like half term school they're going to lock down right. an extra an extra week like so that the, the the half term which is at the end of October in the UK is going to be longer um and you've now got these restrictions on like six people but you, you I think you've still got things open and certain things happening but I mean I <laughs> I think in the early stages of all of this, I used to follow the news quite religiously. And, and I think uh, Boris Johnson made a statement the other day and I, I didn't even follow it because it, 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 it's uh, like, you can't keep abreast of like everything that's going on in the world. It's too depressing sometimes. Well, it's also local. And, and it's not real. Yeah. A lot of it's not even real, you know. <laughs> and I don't mean that as in there, isn't there? <laughs> well, it, I mean, one of the one of the things we were going to talk about, like you, you you'd watched uh, uh, the documentary, the social dilemma, and 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 as have I, and I think you know that that culminates a whole bunch of things we've been great sort of swirling around. I thought it did a rather good job of actually trying to piece all of this together into something that's kind of coherent. I don't, I don't think it's perfect, but. Um, it certainly no, no, and... manages to pull a lot of these ideas, and I think it might be actually really impossible to ask someone explain what it's about <laughs> without making a really really long conversation about all the different aspects to it that are being pulled together. No, and I, I actually attended a, a, a data an ethics research conference today uh, 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 online at the University of Manchester and some of these things were, were were being discussed there and it was like at one point somebody said you know the notion of these companies 
self-regulating she said they keep talking about self-regulation said but it's not in their business plan no to regulate themselves it's not possible for them to yeah talk to their chief financial officer and it's his nightmare to yeah and and she said like they basically most of these companies don't understand how essentially their own ad their ad models work that how people can buy ads and attach it to things and create false information like they, they can't control it no well even that guy who was the president of pinterest um and he was responsible for building the financial models for facebook i i can't remember the guy's name the sort of black curlyish hair um yeah yeah i quite like the way that he talked about that um he realised what's going on, but even he can't actually like leave his um, phone in the car and actually go off grid for twelve hours. Such is the yeah. power, such is the draw um, of the manipulation engine and its need to actually have us glued to our screens. Um, and and and. Again, somebody made this sort of comment today, like the the irony that the social dilemma is in itself on a platform that is algorithmically driven is and 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 the advertising of it is being shared, and people say, oh, you know, people are sharing links to it on Facebook, saying everybody should watch. Do you know what I mean the, the, all these multiple ironies? But who? Of that? But who? <laughs> and who is not getting it? <laughs> No, and and I mean the other thing. I mean the only thing I thought in terms of criticism about the documentaries, I th- I felt it was it was saying in generic terms, social media does this, social media does this. But essentially, all it was really describing in the majority was actually Facebook. Quite a lot, yeah. It didn't really delve into like some of the other stuff. I think yeah, you're right. It's largely talking about what Facebook does. Um, mm. But I, I, I also see a lot of problems with Twitter. Yes. Like the first thing that really hit me was the statement that the information age is actually in a transition into the disinformation age. And I think we've crossed over. We now live in the disinformation age. We're slap bang after that's begun. And, mm. and it was when I was listening to some Trump supporters recently saying that if Trump loses the election, they're moving to another country. I thought, hang on a minute. I think I've heard this before. I think I've, I've, I seem to remember this was the common reaction to if Hillary loses <laughs> or um, what are the implications of Trump winning the election before he yeah. won the election. And the same. And it kind of really highlights the polarization of society, especially in America. I, I also wonder, like, so, so, so an event that happened, I think, the, the, the other week, uh, a bit of a tangent here. Um, so there was an ITV, you know, the Britain's Got Talent screened on ITV. Yeah. And there was a, uh, uh, that, a band called or a dance group called diversity that won it many years ago. Mm. And they did this whole dance routine that was all about black lives matters and various things around. Yeah. I think it was a sort of, uh, 
to highlight something about 2020. And it was a very sort of sophisticated rendition of doing a dance routine and choreography to highlight these things. It screened. Uh, there were a number of days that passed. And then suddenly Ofcom had a, something like 125,000 people all complained to them that this was racist. And, and, and when you look at the, the, the complaints, it was like all of, these, all of these complaints happened in a very short window of time and they were all virtually worded the same. Ofcom decided to not uphold, uphold oh, the complaint yeah, at all. Yeah. But, but, but it, was in, so it, it was clearly, I, I, I don't think it was like an AI bot thing, but there was clearly a, a agent galvanizing people to it and giving them the talking point of it. 125,000 people didn't all independently come to that conclusion and they, they, they did like you didn't have 125,000 people walk away from the television screen and go I'm writing a stern letter somebody put the majority of that stern letter and, and of course all of these petitions we get for, for 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 government and stuff are very much geared around these ways and and it just sort of made me think that what we're doing all the time is we're creating these tribes to go after stuff because people like being in tribes. It's pitch. It's well, pitchforks at the ready. It's it's um, using the sorry using the social networks as a weapon. It's kind of weaponized, isn't it? It's uh, how can I actually bring people together and use the power of the collective. Against. Yeah, and I, I mean, and 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 that can be weaponized for good sometimes, and it can be weaponized for bad. But I, th I think it's pro it's actually problematic that these things are being weaponized because ultimately, doesn't that destroy a sense of democracy if everybody's being weaponized with with slightly misleading or false, you know, at, at varying levels? And this is on the left and on the right. You switched me on to. Uh, what's his name? You know the guy with the dreadlocks. Um, oh yeah, Yaron. Uh, he's in the social dilemma, but um, Yaron Lanier or Lanier, something, something Lanier. Lanier. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, I can't think of his yeah, name now. That yeah. was his name. So that's why I was like Jared, <laughs> Jared Lanier. <laughs> yeah. Whatever his name is, damn good yes. folk. Um, yes. Yes. So I think his analogy of um, Wikipedia. And imagining that you went to Wikipedia, yeah, and were actually given uh, a um, version of a Wikipedia page on any information that was actually um, uh, customized according to your tastes of what you want to know, what you want to hear is the truth. And if it's being personalized to your actual taste, that's what we're getting. And I think to myself, remember I said I, I used to um, uh, have an email correspondence with someone who I absolutely disagree on, on a political um, argument. Um, hmm. uh, and I thought that it was quite healthy to actually have this friendship with someone who totally disagrees with me and will battle it out. Um, and I kind of noticed how um, 
we do fall into this trap of finding it incredibly difficult, if not impossible, these days to deal with people who disagree with us on things that we find fundamentally important. You know, and I, I, I've got to admit, like, when I see some of the shit coming out of a Trump supporter's mouth, I think, how can you be so bloody stupid? I mean, and I, and, and from my perspective, I go back to what I learned at school or, you know, before um, the world had become this polarised. Yeah. And I think, what did I believe? Did I believe any of this racist bullshit at school? No. Um, and so this is why I find it so difficult to say, look, we're just actually responding to um, news via social media to, that's changing our opinion and we don't even notice it, you know? I mean, the, the, the symbol, I mean, the, 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 this is something that we, we've both explored in kind of like looking at psychology and cognition and so forth. The basic fact is, is the human brain is not very good at like that you have all this top down processing, you have cognitive bias in, in, built in it. it is what has helped us survive and evolve. Yeah. And our brains cannot actually cope uh, with it, it, it's a bit like if you took like if you take loads of cocaine, hmm. it affects and alters your perception of reality. If you're a paranoid person, it will increase your paranoia. If you're if you're if you're a jovial, but maybe it'll increase certain parts of your personality and so forth. We are all prone to having our, our perceptions and reality distorted. Yeah, and I think that's what all of this does is it feeds into our cognitive bias. I mean, I have there are numerous times on Facebook and stuff I see something that I know that, that, that plays to my biases. Yeah, yeah, and I might smile at it and go, "Oh, yeah, I'll share. That's funny." And then, of course, what that's doing to somebody else who doesn't share my biases is it's angering them in the same way that some shit that comes out of a Trump support, or what I perceive to be shit coming out of a Trump support. But, but to them, it's their absolute belief. That's right. In the same way, I absolutely believe something else. Yeah. I think also um, it might have been Social Dilemma. It might have been something else that I've watched kind of like following on from that documentary. Um Someone was talking about the fact that Trump was never so venomous until he'd become addicted to Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah, yeah, like the combination, it's the perfect storm of um, uh, reality TV and Twitter. Yeah, that, that, um, put it together and you you end up with trump um yeah no i mean so i mean i i think i've been questioning a lot like recently like like, there, there, there are there are people i'm friends with on facebook and so forth that have radically different opinions on certain aspects of these these type of issues and I was thinking the other day, why do I think I'm right? Yeah. What if I'm wrong? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, going back to, I think, one of our 
I think it might have been our first podcast. Um, hmm. One of the topics was I brought up was about you and Brexit. And we yeah. had a good discussion about the fact that you were like thinking, oh, yeah, but I, I had all these things going on that yeah. culminated in making me feel bloody angry about this stupid bloody Brexit thing. And so that was why I was kind of like right onto it. Strangely enough, that kind of leads me to another thing I've been doing a lot of work on. Um, or been reading up a lot on which um we, we touched earlier talking about um cognitive bias and then one yeah one kind of subgroup of that is what's it called um actor observer bias yes yeah um where we're actually looking for external reasons because that's what we're kind of genetically programmed to do is psychologically never look deep within ourselves for why am I doing this? We we look for external reasons why, oh, it's this idiot, like it's Boris Johnson or it's this guy outside. Yeah. Um, whereas actually um, when it's somebody else doing something, we, um, we have something else going on. We have the, um, what's it called? The fundamental attribution error occurring mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we're saying, oh, that bloke's just a cunt. <laughs> that, that explains why they're doing it. That, that person's a cunt. Whereas actually, like, what we sometimes need to do is look outside of what what circumstances are making them do it we we should be in this position of neutrality with our judgment but we're not we're either like looking at ourselves and then we're affected by the actor observer bias or we're looking at someone else and being human we get, we we tend to end up in this um fundamental attribution error and that's really like why we why we have the psychologists actually making note and calling it this and calling it that because they've observed it in all human life um i mean in some respects i always feel i mean i've been doing this uh cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner course right and i'm not doing it so that i can be a cbt therapist that would take a lot more time but i wanted to as a teacher, be better at being able to listen to people and kind of say, well, why do you feel that way? Almost, you know. And yeah, I think a big part of going through that is just realizing that actually so much of what we think to be truth is based on how we feel because of a situational dime. You know, if I'm feeling tired, I'm going to feel more aggravated about something. And what we don't do in society enough is have those conversations about, well, why do I feel this way? That's right. Brilliant. Hold that thought while I go and make a cup of tea. Because when we come back, actually, maybe you'll cut this out. I don't know. It doesn't matter if you do or doesn't or don't. <laughs> Correct my own English there. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> Grammarian <laughs> that I'm not. That <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting because, um, like, 
I'll talk about it later, but um, I've started a um, Jungian therapy, uh, Jung, Jungian therapist course. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah. it, was, it was only really, I've kind of known that the, the conventional therapist does um, um, CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, um, like, what I'm doing is much more old school with yeah. Carl Jung's kind of um, theories of how psychology should be conducted. And I'm not sure one is better than the other anymore. <laughs> but hold that thought. I'm going to go and make a cup of tea. Okay, okay I'll get you two, a cup of tea. Two minutes, well, one minute. Okay. From that. So. On on that point that you just raised, I was just sort of like thinking about it's almost a shame in society that we don't have some of these big these big wrestling points. I know, like racism, like sexism, uh, you know, some of the, some of these really big. I don't know, leftism, rightism. It, it, you almost want a book that says this is the decree. This is what we have decided about racism. Now shut up. Yes. Yeah. Okay. End all. End all. Tell it to the hat. You disagree with this? Fuck off. Off the back of the social dilemma, why, yeah. why, is, why isn't the world organized around these tribes rather than the geographic locations? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because we've shifted to a world that hasn't got the boundaries of these um, geophysical locations anymore. And, of course, like all around the world, people with the same um, kind of thinking in common, the the same blend of right-wing opinion or... Uh, maybe the subset, yeah, mm. should all go and live in this region and they'll all have a community and like be happy with each other and, and people. I'm sure I would live somewhere near yourself <laughs> in, in a way. It's kind of like, why can't the world reorganize to have people living in physical locations around where they're happiest? Well, is it so? So, so on, I suppose on a couple of points. Mm. On point one, this idea of having a book that is decreed how we're going to operate a society. One could argue that's basically the basis of religion of all religions, yeah. where yeah. somebody came, some 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 people who had thought about this stuff, and, okay. and religion gets complicated by people starting to say, "Well, why should I have faith in that being true?" So they question they question these decrees. I suppose part two of what we're saying there is historically where you where you grew up or where you were born and into the culture you were born you never left it so actually you probably all did think the same because probably one person in the village or whatever was saying this is how we think about that we think the sun is a god and we think the trees have elves and all of this stuff and everybody went that makes sense yeah yeah right i'm with you on that brother i'm with you yeah (laughs) yeah and and where where all of this has got complexes, we now live 
we live in tribes that are different to where we geographically live. And the solution that we've come up with is to be more xenophobic about where we live, whereas actually we should be more xenophobic about our tribes. Yes, exactly. And and, and so so I think the problems in, in, in Britain and the so the US is not a country. No. That each each state operates like a country virtually. And the simple fact is America has been three or four, possibly five, possibly six countries since since it was invented. Mm. So, you know, and maybe it's just too big to put under one ideology and too geographically vast. Yeah. And I think Britain is not geographically vast, but the simple fact is, is because of, of economics and stuff, you, you have different, complete different cultures in different parts of England. And this is also true of Europe and, 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 and all of these things. Mm. And we have not evolved enough to get like to understand culture not being geographically located i mean i i you know you and i both experienced that obviously we spent x number of years growing up in a culture of a time in a place and we have moved to somewhere else where it's radically you know you you're probably more radically different to the uk than 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 i am but it's still different living in a small mountain village in Norway is, is very different to having yeah. grown up in, in, in a major city in the UK. But most of the people who surround me are, are culturally of here. I think, I think you don't need the extreme differences. Um, small differences. That are the, the small differences, it's the subtle ones, make you aware that we are not living we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> um, well, no, actually, that, that I mean, that, that's, that is a brilliant thing. You know, it is. You're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got a question then. How do we solve it? How do we solve the social dilemma? Because I think we can do it. This podcast can do it, John. I, I believe in us. We're smart enough, aren't we? One of the things that is argued in the social dilemma is, in in essence, Facebook knows us better than we know ourselves, and I think that's probably true. I think I think I think as a as a piece of AI intelligence and based on all the information we've put on it, I think Facebook probably knows us better than any psychologist could ever know us because the things you're doing in it are subconscious and, and so forth and, and path because basically a, a Facebook is just one massive pattern recognition expert, right? Right. I'm with you on that. Um, if uh, you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Therefore yeah, yeah. you are, you basically to become a, a valuable product, Facebook has to write the algorithms to actually know your patterns of behavior yes. better yep. than any psychologist. However, I would argue that Facebook's um, AI perhaps doesn't interpret the habit no. as well as a trained psychologist yet. Maybe. Yet, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it won't, but it at the moment it's giving me um, like advertising for beginner Japanese. Now, any psychologist that I would have talked to would have said, "Yes, Kevin does study Japanese, but he's not a beginner." 
<laughs> and so the AI hasn't matured to the level where I, I challenge it. And, and in fact, it's the fact it's not mature that actually radically alters our feed that fucks it up, that fucks us up. If it was more intelligent, wouldn't that be better? Well, I suppose that comes back to a, a fundamental issue, which I think was covered in the social dilemma, or it was covered in the conference today, is these platforms and their algorithms are not ethically designed mm. to support that. They are designed to support giving you better advertising. Well, it's a, they're designed to support this idea that if you're glued to the screen, yeah, yeah. you will potentially earn the company that's uh, yeah. um, that's providing the ecosystem more money, yeah. Yeah. The advertisers yeah. are quite happy to pay that money if the um, uh, ability to dial up certain sectors of the market specifically for them is like right. I will pay money to earn money as a company, right? And so the economic model supports this whole fucked up world that we're living in i love that i think it was in there like that analogy that the only two industries that refer to its customers as users of the drug industry and face and, and software and software, yeah. and, and yeah. i think again you know a drug dealer's primary goal is to keep you coming back and buying more drugs so they're gonna kind of give yeah. you or introduce you to things that are not ethically right for you to be introduced yeah. to, but it, it's the business model. That's the business model of, 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 of drug of, of, of drug dealing. Right. Okay. So brings us to, is it possible to solve the social dilemma um, that we know, we know quite precisely what the problem is. Okay. It's, it's quite a big problem. Um, and so, so what do you think about um, changing the monetization of the problem? Because this is where it all stems from, isn't it? It's monetizing. Um, I, th I, th I think, um, I think there needs to be a better look at how we monetize the data. Really. Isn't it a better way of monetizing the product? Um, oh, I, th I think it's a mixture of both. So, so I, th I think I think it's when I say we should look at how we monetize the data. That should be. I'm wondering whether or not. I guess we are kind of convoluting product and data, putting them mm. together, aren't we? Because really, we are data. Um, I mean, the, the the simple fact is, from 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 a data literacy or or, or whatever, I think most people genuinely do not have any idea about how this all works and i don't think you have to be an ai specialist i mean the fact that people are reacting to the social dilemma in the way they are it's all stuff that we've known for some time oh, well well you know forgive me for going into a bit of a dunning kruger but isn't it the actor <laughs> isn't it the actor observer bias going on we're just people. We don't think of ourselves as products or data or any of this. <laughs> you and I, because of the history of how we've been dealing with stuff, mm. possibly have 
I don't know, we're somewhere better along the Dunning-Kruger curve than your average Joe, but we're by no means an expert in comparison to, to no. data developers and UX people. Yeah. Even, even without um, understanding it fully ourselves, even if we were a little bit towards that Dunning-Kruger effect of early days understanding of the stuff that's actually going on under the surface but with pandemic what with social media um etc etc okay somehow both you and i have ended up taking courses on psychology when we were both fundamentally technologists maybe about mm-hmm. Uh, let's say six or seven years ago, we were both heavily into technology. Now we are both technically splitting our time between psychology and technology. And there's a reason for that, I think. We've understood the importance of understanding the psychology with technology. But don't you think, I think that, that, that when I watched those people who were like, had been in Facebook at the start. The people, do you know what I mean? And all of these people, are like, my God, what have I contributed to? Don't you ever feel, when I look back at myself in in some stages of e-learning or online learning, and go, I helped create certain Frankenstein monsters of that as well. I was thinking about a talk by Arabulkan. Um, like he he should have been on the social <laughs> dilemma, to be honest, in my opinion, like as a spokesman. Uh, yeah. for someone who really does understand what's going on okay his input would have would have been quite helpful i would think but um largely to do with security as well but um and privacy um however i seem to remember around about oh, i don't know how long it was but um maybe about 10 10 years ago around 2010 I, I remember I did a experiment with Twitter and the API. Um, he'd um, hooked into part of the Twitter API and he'd written like a helper service for Navazpak, um rabbits so we could communicate and tweet messages via um, input. And this was all to do with um, interaction design and the, and the joy of basically um, communicating um in a different way um yeah yeah, yeah. i remember it well yeah yeah just delighted us and we were kind of like oh i could do this and then kind of i remember at, around that time uh, one of Arrow balkan's videos talked about twitter have you heard of twitter it's brilliant and it's just got this tiny little api and this and I remember also being really excited about, oh, this, this is amazing. Yeah, I really like this lightweight social platform. Yeah, it doesn't require the bulk of Facebook and, and all of this, which felt so heavy and like not so elegant and easy to use and easy to hook into um, as a third-party application developer. I, I was like, wow, this Twitter thing's brilliant. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. Now I look at it and go, ah, oh, how could we not have seen 
how fucked up this would become by its simplicity of ease of use to get anyone and his wife able to create applications to actually um, harness the pure power of the one-to-many relationship on a scale that's unbelievable you know one to a million or something like this where my application has the power to manipulate a million people unbelievable that we couldn't have foreseen that this could be a bad thing <laughs> no and I, I i mean i remember i always look i always sort of talk about a golden age of twitter because i think in the early days of twitter there were a lot of kind of techno utopian people leaning into it and i think i had i always had very positive experience i felt like i connected with people that i would never have been able to connect with just like in the street and so forth and they weren't my friends on facebook and then there was a there was a definite point somewhere around 2013 where i started to just notice this kind of tribal monstering of people or tribal like going after and and this this sort of level of hierarchy and it it, it disturbed me and i think yeah, it must have been around 2013, 2014. I just really backed off Twitter and I was, I'd was i been quite addicted because I loved the, it, it felt like, you know, you were in a bar full of really smart people and having a good laugh. And then suddenly something about human nature just suddenly starts to bring out these hierarchies and, and so forth. And yeah, I, I don't think anyone who invented Twitter thought about that because they probably didn't think about the psychology of it. No, we didn't go there because it's 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 very easy, I think, that when you're say watching cable TV, you are aware that the cable TV channel has a certain uh, consumer in mind when they're creating their content. That you know you're you know you're watching Fox News, then they're actually putting something together just for you, just for their target audience, okay? And it's got a badge on it that we can identify with and go, yes, that's the kind of person I think I want to be. Facebook doesn't. Facebook, Twitter doesn't have that. This is global. This is for everybody. But as it turns out, it's got the same problem with the way in which propaganda gets actually pushed out to you is the feed that you're receiving yeah you're actually i i i think twitter is vastly different to um facebook facebook kind of engineering will feed you and withhold feeds that it thinks you won't enjoy the content you won't enjoy whereas twitter you're actually going to not bother following people that you disagree with because the way in which you're receiving these micro chunks of information, it's far too much on your feed to actually deal with, to follow all the wankers that you don't want to follow. So in a way, it's kind of system is built and it's arrived at exactly the same effect as Facebook bio course yeah and it, it, it it's becoming 
more algorithmically driven about what appears in in that stream than it was some time ago um so so i think um i mean one i think one of the things that i keep kind of wrestling with is is how utopian so many things felt and you and i think this is what lanier is is talking about he said you know the early people in this had this utopian dream of of you know freedom of knowledge freedom of information all of these things and i was thinking I, I, can you remember there was a diagram that we used to use that showed like the cycle of disruption or the cycle of innovation you know, you have disruption and you, then you have this kind of emergence and i always remember the last stage was solidification and and i think what we're in at the moment is Facebook is solidifying to become the very thing that it alleged to be disrupting. YouTube is solidifying to become the very thing it set out to disrupt. Apple is solidifying into the very company that it set out, like it hated IBM, and it's just become IBM. Yeah. Well, if you watch the uh, um, launch of the new uh, Apple products the other day, I think that uh, it's... um, Tim Apple, oh, oh, sorry, Tim Cook. Yes, he's the most boring fucker in the world, isn't he? I mean, he's. If you were making an IBM commercial in in the eighties, yeah, he would have starred in it. He would have starred in it. He's fucking perfect. Um, like I, I've, I'm not excited by Apple these days. And I always... no, Apple right now is is in the same phase as it was post post uh, Steve Jobs being kicked out the first time. I think. Yeah, um, I think. Oh my god, um, I I wonder whether the next disruption would be like uh, I'm going back to I was trying to think how do I solve the social dilemma. Well, one thing I think is certain is you need to change the financing, okay? And you have to actually um, say, why don't we create a pay-for system, yeah? A pay-for your social networking system, and you pay for fact-checking. Because basically, that's the value for the consumer, isn't it? It's reverse of what's going on. We get this stuff for free, yeah, because now we're vulnerable to being manipulated by advertisers. And mm. um, and if enough people are able to pay a little bit of money to say, look, I'm existing in an ecosystem where I pay for fact-checking and I pay for no advertising, yeah, for less than a price of a newspaper or something like that, which has become the de facto standard of how much you will pay for an internet service, isn't it? Okay, how much is a newspaper? I don't know. I was never born in the era of newspapers, so I have no idea, but it sounds good. (laughs) Um, so, So I'm thinking, right, okay, some service where a nominal fee 
is expected for the quality of the service that you're actually receiving and what will I pay for? What what am I actually interested in paying for? Well, and, and people will always use the argument that people are so conditioned to not paying that they won't. And it's like, well, well fine. You pay for you no, but you pay for Netflix so you don't have advertising. Mm. But you pay, many people pay for Spotify so you don't have advertising in your music. It depends if we can make it a zeitgeist. Okay. It, yeah. You know, I'm sure it probably couldn't. Okay. In the world that exists at the moment, Facebook is God. And um, although we might say that the, the um, tween market is like turned off by Facebook, it kind of is and it isn't. Um, yeah. But I think it's such a monolith that we can't say goodbye to Facebook. Um, we're stuck with Facebook. So Facebook should actually become this pay-for service. They should introduce a Facebook uh, Facebook green or Facebook orange or something like this, where now, because of all this bad publicity and things coming to the surface over the next few years, then Facebook has decided that we're going to offer you this service where you pay for Facebook and you don't get manipulated, and we promise not to actually give you a feed that um, uh, withholds um, uh, posts by users that you won't agree with or you won't like, according to our algorithms, okay? You're paying to get the shit that you don't want, yeah? I think they should be ballsy enough to do it. <laughs> but also, I mean, I mean, would would that be that? Could the first step to that be? Because I don't think Facebook is going to alter its model unless it's under some form of duress. So, so is the first step to that to say you are a publisher, you are a publisher of information, therefore you are going to be regulated like a publisher, which will then fundamentally shift their their business model. Mm. But in the same way, you know. We used to have cars that didn't have seat belts, but the evidence stated that if you put seat belts in cars, less people would die. Yeah. I think, that, yeah, the regulation, I'm wondering whether or not we're more sophisticated than implementing some kind of version of net nanny for adults. No, for sure, for sure, yeah. Um, the, yeah, we, we, we should be paying for something that we actually covered that is useful to us. Um, mm. And although most people won't want to admit that um, we don't pay and we're perfectly happy to be manipulated, we're perfectly happy um, to be the suckers, <laughs> okay, <laughs> then there would be a certain amount of prestige, wouldn't there, if your profile had that verified paying user, that your authority has more credence for the fact that your information has been fact-checked, that what I'm sharing with you 
has been fact-checked, okay? All right? And it comes with this badge of approval. Therefore, it's worth me paying because no one bloody reads my posts and no one believes what I'm saying. But if I paid, people might. No? No, I can, I can, I can, see, I can see validity in that. I suppose... I'm just one like like let let's say for for the sake of argument you have a choice in these things. The people who are like I I can't even think of what like, let's let's say your average QAnon stroke electric boogaloo <laughs> person. Me, no. <laughs> <laughs> are they? Do they actually care about what is verified? Do they care about what is true, or does it just the fact that, that that all of this stuff somehow explains why they feel a certain way? They keep going for it because even if it's a, ra- I mean, I, I can't get my head around QAnon, like how anyone can sort of fall into it. But I think it, it, it I think things like QAnon, Electric Boogaloo, are are very sophisticated drugs of it that, that, that get you hooked. You've got it on the nail on the head there, because really what people care about is winning their argument. Yes. Uh, ultimately, yeah, when I believe in a conspiracy theory, I'm always going to have some line to come back at you when you doubt my credibility, and you can actually... Yes point to the hole in my argument and go, yeah, but this. And then they'll come back at you with another bit of bullshit. And you go, yeah, but I've read this. And it turns into a race, race to the bottom or race to the top. It doesn't really matter. It's still a race to go say, no, I'm right, you're wrong. If you pay for the de facto, you know, like you were saying, we we have this um, tribe where only this tribe could actually be in no doubt. You're paying for the authority, the same way that you pay for a certificate from a university to say, this gives me authority in my argument. That's what we should be paying for. We're paying for the fact that my information, yeah, has actually been verified by all of these services, yeah, that we're not paying for uh, an advertiser to make some money. We're paying for the validity of the information that we're trying to share. No? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so yeah, so what, what we're looking for is essentially in the same way as, as, a, as an academic researcher. If I want to get published... I have to go through a peer review system that says, Bosh, this yeah. has been done, this has been done scientifically. Yeah. So you would be applying some form of peer-reviewed fact checking. And I don't know, I don't know what the mechanism behind that would be, but the, a mechanism that would say you're kosher in, in saying that. Well, well, what about um what about all the um taxi drivers that are gonna be unemployed when um Uber realizes that they can actually cut you out of the loop because of um autonomous cars yeah they're going to need jobs why don't we give them peer reviewing jobs 
and again, if you if you if you get the economics of it right, yeah, then it should be it should be viable. I mean, I suppose we're going we're in an age of misinformation. So, what's the solution? Finding verified peer-reviewed information that's the going to be a commodity that we could monetize job <laughs> yeah, yeah and and i mean i suppose i mean I, I i don't i probably don't understand the politics or or the full details of wikipedia well enough but essentially you have got an economy of people that put information in and you've got peer reviewers checking that 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 information veracity and as far as i can tell Wikipedia is probably a better peer-reviewed information site than many encyclopedias that I read as a kid. I think so, yeah. That's not to say that a Wikipedia page is better peer-reviewed than I, I, I can't think of what the most scientific uh, journal Britannic, is. Uh, Britannica, didn't it, uh, many yeah. years ago? Um, but, no, but I mean, I, I, th- I, I've always found generally Wikipedia to be a pretty good source of information when I cross-refer and, and so forth. Yeah. It's a good starting point at, at least, but yeah. I've not had I've not had too many things that are materially inac- you know, inaccurate on there. That's right. But also, um, don't you see Wikipedia's kind of begging letter? <laughs> on the on the surface of Wikipedia's a free service, but if you'd like to donate they're not making much money, are they? They're not. They're not the Facebooks or the no, no. Google. It, yeah, and and I suppose the problem is, is if you bring, it's a bit like 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 you know, like some of these fact checking sites mm. or full fact or all these things. When you actually start to discover who 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 some of the sponsors are, you've got to then start querying whether it is fact or not. Yeah. and and this. Is Problem like that. I don't, it has to be democratically paid for. Yeah, it has to be paid for by you, the user. Because why are you going to buy it? Because you value your your own validity and the validity and information that you're receiving. That you can read anybody's information, but you don't have to believe it unless it holds this badge of honor. And that's why I'm saying, like, to eat away at fake news, which does travel six times faster than real news, yeah, is is what we need to do, is have a system that puts value on peer-reviewed um, information. I suppose the other thing is, like, like trying to flip this around a little bit, what is the fundamental reason that human beings lie? Or create misinformation. Status. Social comparison, I would say. So I'm just wondering, is there another aspect as well that you have to somehow affect the disease of status anxiety and all of these things to to prevent? It's the most human disease. And this is really where the area of um, Schottenfreude has come into my life with the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I've been learning a lot about it and I've been very interested in um, uh, social comparisons. And the more I learn, the more interested I've become. It's like a snowball effect, seemingly. 
Um, haven't got all the answers yet, but it's certainly an interesting um, concept. Which seems a good place to stop at the moment because we've 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 hit we've hit the the we've probably gone a bit over. But um, all right, mate. Lovely to catch up. And likewise, John. Always a pleasure. Too. All right, mate. Take care. Bye bye. Swinging at the gate on a mad one, no fox. Step into the kid, trying to bring it, I promise you'll have no luck. You sold out for a quick buzz, and honey, you got no love. No less than what I know that I'm worth, and I won't budge.